Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. What up, y'all? It's Russ Parr, and welcome to the Russ Parrcast. Well, today we're talking to prominent, the very legendary actor. His name is Isaiah Washington. Of course, uh, we're going to get into his new movie that he directed, and we'll talk about all the behind-the-scenes stuff that you never would have known about unless you heard it right here on the Russ Podcast. So without further ado, yeah, to do, yeah, we got to do Isaiah Washington. Here we go. I've said it a million times, he's probably my favorite actor I've ever worked with. Um, actually, um, he is the best actor I've ever worked with, and, um, and I don't care if other actors hear me say that because I am not that credible. Uh, you, you guys seen him in, of course, Grey's Anatomy, uh, heck, Blue Bloods, uh, Blue Capri, uh, heck, uh, P-Valley. Um, he's got this great movie that I have not seen yet that we're going to talk about. The man I'm talking to is Mr. Isaiah Washington. How you doing, sir? Doing fantastic, man. Great. First of all, uh, listen, you know, you've been in this business for a long time, and I know you've often have executive produced or produced stuff and so on and so forth. This new movie, Corsicana, you are directing. This is not your first time directing, is it? Yes, it is. Really? 100%. Never directed anything, a film, a short, nothing in my life. You're kidding. Why didn't I know that? Oh, I I know what it is because whenever you work with me, you're usually the director and I'm the student. I get it. Okay, I know how it works. Anyway, this movie, Corsicana, um, basically tell tell us what this movie is about, who is it about, and why was it so important for you to pick this project? See, the long and short of it, the long, the long and short of it is that I received a call about two years, uh, almost two years and one month and eight days ago. <laughs> okay. And on my birthday, from this character actor that I really have enjoyed over the years <clears throat> by the name of uh, Robert Dobby. Mm-hmm. And he and I got to know each other on social media, and I really was excited about his performance as an FBI agent in Die Hard. And he was wow, all the movies done. You know, why, why was that, you know, so important to me? And I told him, quite frankly, that Grand Bush was the African-American FBI actor playing an FBI officer. Came. And what I could see early on, back in the 80s, that he didn't go out of his way to subjugate that character, being Italian or being considered a white man. Mm-hmm. And I could see that he treated that character and that actor uh, as an equal. And I never sensed that before. Mm-hmm. It always seems like you had your star and then you had that black guy over there that probably died the first 15 minutes of the movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and he, he was, he was, he was intrigued by that. And then he was glorified by that. And he said, you saw all of that. Mm. And I said, yes. And I appreciate it. So, boom. That too, that's our relationship. Right. Looking for something to work on. So, he had a script mm-hmm. called Corsicana that had batteries in it. 
and I absolutely had to be in this movie. All right, hold and on. I absolutely had For to those people to that don't know who Bass Reeves is, uh, he was a United States Marshal, right? He was considered the first African-American deputy U.S. Marshal, but as my research showed, he was not the only one. He was just the best at it, whether he was black or white, with mm. 3,000 federal arrests in a 32-year career. Mm. So that's a better answer. He was the best gotcha. federal marshal of his time, and still his arrest record with technology has not been surpassed. I just met a 20-plus-year uh, U.S. marshal uh, who happens to be Caucasian, all right? Mm-hmm. And he said, Isaiah, I've only got 20... 20, a little over 2,000 federal arrests in my entire career, and I'm getting ready to retire. And I've had all of the technology in the world that Bass Reed never had. Mm. <laughs> yeah, so let's, let's, what time period was this? Oh, my God. He, he was a runaway slave. He was the first and only armed Confederate bodyguard for his master's son, Colonel George Reed, which he essentially grew up in the same big house. Mm-hmm. with this man and they were like brothers they got him drunk they got the card fight he beat him up he got his place and realized whoa he just knocked out a white man and he fled mm-hmm. but they didn't chase him to lynch him they were put a bounty on him because they were afraid of his marksmanship they were afraid that if they had to go toe to toe with him once the civil war continued to expand mm-hmm. He was going to be attacked publicly. So they put a major bounty on his head. I thought it was like a million dollars back in 1861. Mm. I don't even know how much that is today mm. to find this man because they did not want him to take his, his marksmanship, his sharpshooting skills, his hunting skills, his bad hunting skills, his instincts, his intellect, his brilliance to the Union side, which is exactly what he did in the Indian territory where he fled. It was not the Indian Territory. It's now what we call Oklahoma. It right. was not that. From my research, the Indian Territory, get this, Russ, was as volatile and as dangerous, as barren as the level of violence in Iraq, Afghanistan, wow. the cartel uh, violence in Mexico and Chicago today combined. Wow. Over 250 Caucasian U.S. marshals lost their lives, not just because of the the, the terrain, Mm -hmm. but the viciousness of the Muscogee and Seminole and Choctaw and Chickasaw, the five national tribes that were forced out of their land during the Trail of Tears. So they were always looking for vengeance on the quote-unquote white man. Correct. And they got it. Yeah. And the only person that was able to tame this region in 32 years and other men and women like him was Bass Reeves. So and to this day, no mm-hmm. one knows who he is. Oklahoma became a state in 1907. He died of natural causes in, in 1910 at the age of 71 mm-hmm. and was never wounded with 14 uh killings in self-defense and we the world don't know who this man was there would be no oklahoma without battery Hmm. so why is it corsicana and not oklahoma that's a good question 
<clears throat> when I took the job, I had already done a deep dive of 22 days after I talked to the director. Uh, the, the director at the time was very directorish. Mm -hmm. <laughs> he wasn't very transparent. And he only gave me a couple of scenes. But once I got excited about learning about Bass Reeves, which I knew nothing about him, I assumed when I heard Bass Reeves, I assumed he was a white man. You know, I heard the rumors that, oh, the Lone Ranger is, is, is Bass Reeves. So I just assumed he was a white man. Mm. And I never really gave it any serious thought. Even growing up in Texas, law enforcement, my neighbors were, were cops. Uh, and they were Latino, believe it or not, police officers and um, white police officers, black police officers. And I would overhear them, you know, talking, you know, about Bass Reeves in the garage and they're cleaning their guns. I never thought anything of it because I just assumed he was like John Wayne, mm -hmm. right? What I didn't know was there would be no John Wayne. There would be no hmm. Surfer Code. There would be no uh, Sherlock Holmes in the timeline had it not been for the incredible adventures and feats that Bass Reeves himself was able to do. Hmm. And the, the myth is that he did it alone. He did not. He would travel with his crew and end up arresting, arresting 100 people a, within a year. Hmm. Wow. 100 people a year. So, on the road with his, his his crew, but he would go out alone in disguise as a pimp, as a drug dealer, as a homeless person, as a drunk, as a crazy person, as a horse rustler, a cattle rustler, for months pretending he was the bad guy, only to entrap them and then bring them back, lure them back to his camp where he had the rest of his crew and, and, and the rest of them. He was, he was brilliant. Genius, actually. So, Corsicana, as opposed to Oklahoma... It's, it's like he was. Of he course, was, Canada was because I, once I realized that after 27 days in this, I did something I never do. I got on a plane, took 50% of my fee. I was so happy to get out of California with the shutdown and madness, and I was pregnant with Bass Reeves. I always had a vision, thirst, and I knew that, well, the script, a little bit of the script that I read, I was going to have a conversation with the director, as you know I do, and I said, I got some questions. Mm -hmm. Like, this doesn't. I can't say yes to this. So they said, well, you know, we're thinking about Dennis Haysbert or Giancarlo Esposito. And I said, well, you know, maybe you need to make the offer to those guys. They're fantastic actors. But what I'm reading basically is like having Muhammad Ali, a character called Muhammad Ali, playing a sidekick and being saved by John Wick. Mm. Based on what I know about Bass Reeves, you're going to have what we call an unbalanced movie. You're going to hurt yourself. Right. And the director kind of, you know, heard that and made a bunch of promises just to get me on the plane. Got on the plane. Five days later, he ends up quitting or is fired. I never got the changes in the script that I wanted. They came to my room. The producer, Emma McNutt, the Ryan Delaney said, look, you know, the director says he's leaving. He brought you in and you're going to be leaving too. Are you leaving? And I said, absolutely not. I said, can we find another director? They tried. That director came in, and the first thing he wanted to do that I found out was to fire me mm -hmm. and hire one of his friends mm. because he wanted to be an actor, the lead white guy in it. So I couldn't be opposite to him because I'm, in his mind, I was too strong of an actor. Right. So they fired him. Then they were going to think about the DP, Josh Tree. Maybe he would direct it, but they didn't think he had enough experience or bankability to promote the film. So they asked me, would I consider directing it? And I said, no, 
Lou Triple said as the actor, and they said, Well, if anybody's gonna direct it, it's gonna be you. And I said, Man, you out of your mind. That's not gonna happen. By day four of me being in Corsicana, I fall in love with Corsicana, I fall in love with the fruit, the history of Corsicana and the oil boom. Mm-hmm. And that the fact that I didn't know that ExxonMobil wouldn't be ExxonMobil had it not been for the oil boom in Corsicana. Mm-hmm. I thought these were two incredible brands that the world know very little about. But whoever the director is, they need to find a balance to tell both stories cohesively and coherently. What I didn't know is I had a vision for it <laughs> unbeknownst to me. And when I saw this one crew person that I you know, really got to know and she came out crying on a smoke break and she finally told me, you know, on day five of me being across the camera, not knowing what's going on, that the movie is falling apart. She's out of a job. Hmm. And I said, what? What are you talking about? Everybody's going home. The other producers are leaving. The director is gone. We have nothing. No movie. And I said, what the hell are you talking about? I said, you gotta be joking. I walked into the hotel where we're staying on the first floor of the production. And I asked these guys, I said, am I hearing, am I hearing this correctly, guys? Like, the director, you have no, what's going on? You don't have no director? And they said, yeah, man, the movie's over. And I said, man, all this research, it's 27 days, all this research, of can or something. Yeah. So hold <laughs> on right Hold on right there. We're talking to Isaiah Washington. We're going to take a quick break. Uh, when we come back, we're going to talk about Corsicana and all these other things that's going on uh, in his world. But um, if he's got his hands on it, I know it's going to be awesome because that's just what the brother is. He's excellence. So stay right there. We'll be right back. On the line, we're talking to Isaiah Washington. He's got a new movie out. Um, it's called Corsicana. It's about Bass Reeves. He's a deputy U.S. marshal, uh, a brother back in the uh, late 1800s that was extraordinary. And uh, first of all, I got to say that, you know, the story about how you became the director of this movie uh, doesn't surprise me because, uh, you know, no is not like a, an answer for you <laughs> when you want something especially when you spend a lot of time researching and doing this and that, it was going to get made. You know how it works. You have uh, multiple months, if not, you know, more mm-hmm. to do what we call pre-production. Right. You know, you're at the beginning of pre-production, because photography, um, you have a plan and a vision for post-production, you have a plan and a vision for the marketing. Uh, those four stages, you know, are critical for the success of any film, right? Any mm-hmm. movie, any level. Mm-hmm. I had 48 hours. Wow. What you don't do is do it the way, you don't make a directorial debut the way I did it. But I was so possessed, obsessed with what I didn't know about my Texas history. And this man who ended his career as a policeman and was institutionalized to racism came in to Oklahoma. He wasn't allowed to arrest another white person as long as he lived. Interesting. He would have been arrested had he arrested another white person mm. after arresting over over three thousand of them to clean up what is now Oklahoma. That's mm. the things he got. Wow. So let okay. me ask you. Let, let, let me let's dig into the character real quick here. Um, did he have a wife? Did he have a kids? Was he a was yeah, he, a he had single? eleven children? Wow, eleven children that was pretty much fatherless because he would go out for a year at a time manhunting. So his personal life suffered 
greatly. Mm. But he was wealthy. He had his own ranch. He made a lot of money. He would bring in back in the 1860s and 70s almost $100 a head. Mm. I mean, you know, to make $20,000 a year, $30,000 a year in 1860s, it's a lot of money. Yeah. It's a lot of money, you understand? Wow. Um, so he was independently wealthy. He raised horses, had a horse ranch. He was well-respected, lived in a two-story, three-story home, you know, outside of uh, a Ben Burr in uh, mm. Arkansas. Well-respected. But his wife, Nellie, held the whole thing down, which I incorporated in flashbacks in the movie. Most of the things you see in Corsicana that involve that Reeves history, I wrote. Literally, at lunch, in between scenes. Mm -hmm. I made in 19 days, and I begged for three more days of shooting. And maybe in 21 days, I may have had 48 hours of sleep. Wow. 48 hours of sleep. So, so basically, let me ask you, I mean, you, I saw where you, you casted Stacey Dash. Uh, what yeah, what yeah, character I, is she playing? She plays the wife, because when I went on the internet and I looked at the spirit of, of the wife and the body type, I can only think that people ask me, oh, well, you no, I just, I just thought I wanted her to be beautiful. I wanted her to feel Disney-esque, you know? Right. Uh, I want her to be strong, but I want her to be, you know, firm, but beautiful. And I just, I, I just thought of Stacey Dash and the fact that she hadn't worked. And I had just met her on a, a, a shooting uh, training situation, and I, and I liked her. And mm -hmm. we had a great conversation. And she was just the, the thing that came to my mind. And she was affordable. <laughs> right. You know how that goes. Yeah. Uh, you know, nobody's going to, like, you know, we didn't have dollars right. $80,000, $100,000 a week, you know, to give, you know, anybody else that could have done a fantastic job as well. Right. Right. Um, so she took the, you know, the, the, the offer that we made her, uh, and I had to fight for that, you yeah. know, and she was there for a day, shot her for a day. I wrote in, um, the, the scenes for, um, three scenes and, um, it works in the movie. It works okay. Beautiful. I was going to ask you, did, did it work out well? See, here's the other thing. Um, as a, an accomplished actor, being methodical at times, from when I've worked with you, I, I can see you go there. How do you separate being in character and being a director at the same time? Got to be difficult. I'll tell you, I'll tell you a story. And it's a pretty funny story. It was, it was, it, was, it, it got challenging even for me, because I, I didn't know if I, I wanted to work with me. Yeah, because you're an ass. I, 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 not really. I'm passionate, and I, I'm, I'm a taskmaster, and I look for perfection. And that's the wrong thing to do in anything is to seek perfection, but I'm going to do it anyway. Mm -hmm. And I remember having a, a very passionate conversation, getting one of my actors, uh, helping him answer questions because it's not all, the script is being written every day. Right. Kind of like... I, when I did Bull Wolf for eight months of shooting, Bull, you know, I just got a piece of paper for Warren Beatty. No one knew what the script of the story was about. <laughs> but I, as an actor, I knew these people needed a foundation. They needed a direction. So I'm giving it to this actor. And I'm in, I'm in costume wardrobe and hair and makeup. And I'm directing that day. But it's, it's lunch. And this guy had these questions. And I, he's loving, you know, we, we have an actor workshop. And he's just totally getting what I'm saying. And I remember the second AD walking up to me. When she inter interrupts the conversation, she's standing there. And I'm like, what is she standing here for? Man, we, you know, I'm really getting this, this actor, really getting what I'm trying to, you know, relate here. Mm -hmm. And she said, Isaiah, we need you on set. And I looked at her and I said, 
what are you talking about? I'm not even in this fucking scene. <laughs> <laughs> Wait a minute. I'm the director. I forgot. Right. And she told no. But I was so heated with it. And she looked at me and she said, okay. And she went back to the set and said, Isaiah said, basically, fuck off. He's not in this scene. Go on and shoot the fucking scene. We run out of time. And then they sent her back to me and said, Mr. Washington, Josh says, we need you to direct this scene. And that's when it dawned on me that I went, holy shit. I'm so into the acting, I completely forgot. That's hilarious. That's that because I know how you you can zone. You can zone out in a minute. I was like, go tell the fucking director I'm over here working. <laughs> Hold on, we're, we're talking to Isaiah Washington, and of course he is the star, the director of Corsicana. Uh, it's in theaters, and we're going to go over where you can see this movie. I, 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 it's history. It's history, and I'm sure it's well done. Hold on one second. We'll be right with you. We're back with Isaiah Washington. He's the director, the star of the uh, new movie, Corsicana, uh, about U.S. Deputy uh, Marshal uh, Bass Reeves. Uh, and, you know, can you read about Bass Reeves in our history books? Oh, 100%. You can Google Bass Reeves and all kinds of incredible public domain information comes up. But the, 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 the brilliant thing that I had, my, my, my ace in the hole, was I had the support, 100% support, of Art T. Burton, who has been trying to get the Bass Reeves biopic done for the last 30 years. And who is he? And he wrote a book called, multiple books, but the one that I was using as my, as, as, as my blueprint to, to uh, uh, inter, in, interject mm-hmm. or inject the Bassey's narrative uh, authentically and coherently was from his from his consultation, R.T. Burton, called Black Gun, Silver Star. Incredible. Mm. I still haven't finished the book. It's, it's so chock full of information, yeah. so detailed. You can tell this man spent 30 years of his life mm. researching Bassey's. But it's an incredible read. Mm. And it blends into Stagecoach Mary and Ida B. Wells and Frederick wow. Douglass to the point where I've written, I've co-written my own Bassery's uh, pilot script, which some people have had, Lee Daniels Company has, but uh, ABC Signature, 20th Century TV, Disney, they passed on it, but Lee Daniels people loved it. They loved the script. Uh, they have some pretty good notes on it. Um, so that's still on the table for me to get a 100-episode TV series placed on some platform mm. so we can really tell the full story of this man's life. You, no, no disrespect to Taylor Sheridan and David Wallow, but great. You got $60 million. Awesome. Please tell the story. We know it's going to look great. Wow. We know it's going to look amazing. I know a, I know a director. You can't tell this man's story mm. in six hours. Wow. Well, I, you I, can't I, do it. I, I do know a director that you could probably hire that could you could probably fire within two days, but he'll be just thrilled just to be part of it. And I'll tell you who that is when we're done here. Um, his name is Russ Park. That would be uh, Russ Park. <laughs> <laughs> Me and you would be sitting up there, be arguing for the first two days, and then we'll be like, no, then we hit our stride. We hit I our stride. Pilot, you will have, you already have, you will be 
like coming You'll be breathing over my sick. shoulder. Uh-uh, Russ. No, no cut. Hey, cut. Russ, tell him, cut, much, Russ. You're, you're much... You're much you're much harder on yourself than you need to be. Not that serious. Oh well, I hear you. All right, so listen, this movie we're it, it you're it's an independent production. You're rolling it out independently. No, something has been done unprecedented. Something what I'm doing is beyond just the word independent, my brother. Mm-hmm. We tried to go the distribution route, but my investor ever was getting one offensive offer after another. To the point where people say, well, if it's so good, why doesn't it have a distributor? Why doesn't it make a studio behind it? First of all, traditional Hollywood would have never made this movie. Not, not with me as the lead. <laughs> with, without, that's uh, another story. That's another story. Dollars in the bank. Yeah. Huh? I said, that's another story. They, that's, they, I mean, they would, they would need too many other boxes to check off. And the first thing they would say, oh, it's a period piece. We're black people. Oh, we can't afford it. Well, you know. That's just a nice way of saying no to Negro. Mm. We're not interested in telling your story Speak. because we don't have enough heroes in it that look like us. Mm. So how, traditional Hollywood would have never made this movie. If they did, they're going to make it with a British actor, which is what they're doing. Mm. Interesting. They have to check out this so-called white box, which makes no sense to me. Yeah. I have both said for decades, if traditional Hollywood were to just tell the story with African Americans, African freedom, our mm-hmm. stories and the contributions in America alone, mm-hmm. and not just about race, but the heroes like Bass Reeves and Ida B. Wells and Frederick Douglass and, and Robert Smalls, and we could go on and on, the first black Republicans, we could go on and on and on, they would amass at least $3 trillion within five years. I've done wow. the numbers. Yeah. They would make, because look at Black Panther, which had with Bozeman. Mm-hmm. It's made $2 billion. Yeah. If you had um, 50 more of those, mm-hmm. you're at $200 billion. And now's the time to jump on it. So let me ask you this. Well, it, but, but, but hold on. Yeah. Hold on. They are incapable of doing it because they can't see themselves at the end of the day. When I ask people, they say, well, Isaiah, why are you so hard on Hollywood? I say, I'm not hard on Hollywood. Let's just think about it. Russ Park, if I gave you $800 million, mm-hmm. How many stories about the Native American, Asian American, or white Americans that you're going to tell? How many of them are going to be, are you going to tell a hundred of them and maybe one or two African American stories? What would be your answer? <laughs> well, that's an easy one. What would be your answer? My answer, I'll be, I'll be making more than a hundred of them. With that um, kind of money. White people in them? Uh, they would be not the main characters. Exactly. So, if you have the power to advance your image, mm-hmm. to see what you want to see, to empower your people, mm-hmm. you're going to do exactly that. Exactly. I can't be mad that people have the money and the power and the distribution and the media. I can't be mad at them for wanting to consider themselves. But we've first. seen their stories. <laughs> our stories but haven't been that's told. From our, that's, that's from our perspective. But here, here's the deep part. Their children's children's children haven't seen their story. Mm-hmm. They're not thinking about the past. Right. They're thinking about the future gotcha. supremacy. So it is incumbent upon us to understand that. What are you waiting on? Hollywood is not going to do it for you. But what I've done with the help of Amber McNutt, who happens to be a white woman, 
Barbara Levin happens to be a white man, but grew up with black people, and understand our struggle and our legacy together as mm-hmm. Americans. Mm-hmm. They said, we're making this movie, and she said, with all of her glory, the heck with the distributors. I don't like the low ball. We're taking it straight to the theaters. I see a woman in Houston, Texas, Henry, who came to me on Facebook. She cut through all the red tape, got to John Walsh, the man who owns Star Cinema Grill in Houston. He owns 11 theaters, mm-hmm. eight in Texas, 11, three in Illinois. Now, you know how it gets. Once you get one, you get another. Yeah. So she reached out to Regal. Regal didn't, didn't bite. They didn't say they didn't love the movie. They didn't say they hated it. But we find out now that they're filing Chapter 11. We reached out to Cinemark. Nothing. We decided to go straight to the theaters. Why? It's because we're doing a deal where we share 60, 40% of the door of box office receipts. That's never been done. Did you know that movie theaters only make money off their concessions? Yeah. It's not a very profitable. It's not a very profitable business. So let me ask you I this. I did not know that. Yeah, I did. I've been down that. You been down that but, rabbit hole, boy. You understand? But, but now these smaller theaters, we're up to seventy-five theaters now, seventy-five awesome. locations. Awesome. Because they love the the deal. Sixty forty didn't turn to fifty fifty didn't turn to whatever. They'll keep the movie two three months if they choose to. Why? Because we're not under the pressure. Mm-hmm of getting recouping $200 million, $80 million, and then $80 million plus a P&E, P, uh, uh, mm-hmm. we're not under the pressure to recoup anything because we didn't spend all those marketing dollars. So we're, the theater and our part, my partners, we're making the money directly gotcha. with the people. All right, here's okay? the... Here's... And the people are deciding that they want to see it. I'm telling right. people want to see it. If it's not in a DMV, pick up the phone and call your local theater. All right, so that was my next question it. because I'm running out of time here. But I, I got to ask, if somebody wants to get information on this movie, Corsicana... Go to CorsicanaMovie.net. Okay. If they, can they have, do they have the power to write somebody to say, hey, this needs to be in my local theater? Use the hashtag, yes. You can pick up the phone. If people can start a Black Lives Matter movement mm. because they want something to change, they will do it. If people can start a MAGA hashtag movement mm-hmm. because they want to change something, they can do it. I'm saying the thing, if you want to change the direction of how you're treated by traditional Hollywood and your viewing experience, uh, experience you got a choice. You can sit home like you're on COVID shutdown and wait for the streaming thing and then realize, hey, they, you're paying, you know, streamers out of your credit card every month, but you're not seeing everything that you want to see, mm-hmm. but you want to have a theater experience. And why isn't this movie in your theater? It's just as good or better than anything else yeah. out there. Well, so you have, to, you have to be active, mm-hmm. right? Not to right. be an activist, but you have to make a call. And the theaters will respond if you get enough calls, because why? Of course, the editor can sit in that theater for three months and make money for them, and they don't have to worry about me doing it. And taking it straight to Netflix or Amazon within three weeks. That's a lot of M and M's and now popcorn. Isaiah Washington. And and with the dining theaters, yeah, you know, I've been told they make money. That's because that's I I, I sell a lot. Of course, Canada selling a lot of food or booze. Hello, (laughs) his name is Isaiah Washington. The movie is Corsicana. Go to Corsicana.net. Is that what you're saying? Corsicana movie. Corsicana movie. y'all, and and let's get this. Let's support this endeavor. This is good, brother. Very talented. 
we are blessed to be able to be living in the times where we can actually see his, his pure genius. He hates it when I stroke him like this, but it is what it is. Isaiah, it's always great talking with you, man. Next time we talk, we'll get into all that other stuff's going on in your life, man. But we just ran out of time. But it's good talking with no, you, man. It's good, man. It's good. If you want to know that we have the power to change how we, we look at these local theaters, because if we don't, they will disappear like the drive. Absolutely. Isaiah, thank okay, you, man. bro. I appreciate it. Bye. Later. All right, there it is. The Russ Podcast. I want to thank Isaiah Washington. And, of course, we got to have him on so we can talk about all the crazy stuff in Hollywood behind the scenes because as you can tell he will tell the truth it will set you free and make sure you guys check us out next week and of course wherever podcasts can be heard you can actually hear us the Russ Podcast y'all take care <laughs> <laughs>